We suck. Really bad. 36-26 against Samford. I didn't even know where Samford is. Willie Taggart is a bust. Florida State's 2018 season is over. It's all over. I really have no confidence in this team's future. I was looking at their schedule yesterday, and I realized, I told Daniel, this team could very well go 3-9. and nine. All I think that we have is a bunch of players who really love to play football, very, very talented players. However, where's Willie Taggart? Where's the coaching? Where's the offensive play calling? You know, I mean, I think that's what we're really missing. You know, they they did not... First play, we, we got the kickoff, right? We received. We had to punt. Sanford gets the ball, first play, throws a touchdown pass. Daniel, we, we told them last week, we told them that FSU would be bad. FSU will show up and they'll f***ing show out. We told them that Willie Taggart wasn't going to do anything. We are here to do something. Do something for our head coach, Willie Taggart, for all the Seminoles that have come before us, and to show college football <laughs> that we are back. We told them that FSU can't do it in the ACC. Those boys with the spear on their helmets tonight are going to make a statement, send an emphatic message to the Atlantic Coastal Conference that Clemson <laughs> and Miami have some company. Listen, I mean, when your team is walking around the sidelines with a turnover backpack. What was that? What was it? Keep it going, Thomas. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I just don't think that you're going to build a reputation nationally when you're copying your arch rival. Listen, I, I, like, going on the, on the football book bag thing, I was looking at, at Thomas when I was, I was reading up on the FSU game, and I saw an article, and the um, basically the opening for it was, FSU has a turnover book bag. Yes, it's as slim as it sounds. We left in the middle of the second quarter, if you were wondering. And if you guessed, we're a basketball school now. The We Can Do Better podcast airs every Sunday and can be found on SoundCloud or on our social media pages, Twitter and Instagram, by following at WCDBPod, that's WCDBPod, and clicking the link in their respective bios. Reach out to us by sliding into our DMs or emailing us at, yeah, you guessed it, wcdbpod at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. podcast it's episode eight i can't believe it's episode eight i'm joined alongside my co-host daniel rauschwerger shanatova everybody happy new year it's rosh hashanah it's rosh hashanah and on this rosh hashanah we have a lot to talk about in the sports world but first let's talk about ourselves that sounded really all right anyway let's talk about ourselves let's catch up daniel how has your week been how's your health you know what this week great week let me tell you guys something. It came out Tuesday. Tuesday morning, we woke up because we had Labor Day, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, it's a Monday. Next thing you know, it's Friday. This week, I don't know about you, Thomas, but this week flew by. We were just looking forward to what became a very disappointing Saturday, a very disappointing win. But I will say, I told Daniel this yesterday, even if Florida State 
game yesterday didn't feel like a win. There were a lot of things in this week that felt like a win to me. And one of those things was writing my first article for the FSVU, Florida State student newspaper, about Florida State Seminoles in the NFL. It's NFL kickoff weekend, and there are 45 Seminoles representing NFL teams on 22 rosters this week. Incredible. And if you want to read more about that, go to my Twitter, at Thomas Martinez, the O is a zero, and you will find out all there is to know about the biggest Seminoles. That's my shameless plug. I'm known to do it. I don't care. (laughs) And let me tell you something, Daniel. I went to my first newspaper meeting, right? Right. It was slated for this past Friday at 2.30 p.m. at the Starbucks on Tennessee Street. Tennessee Street, if you've ever been to Tallahassee, that's kind of like the main street. It's like the US one in Miami. But um, yeah, so we were supposed to meet up at the Starbucks on Tennessee Street. But apparently there are two Starbucks on Tennessee Street, Daniel. Uh-oh. Yeah. And so I showed up to the one about five minute walk from Jenny Murphy Hall from our home, our beloved home. Right. And at 2.30 p.m., I realized, oh, shit, we're at the, I'm at the wrong Starbucks. So I called the sports editor <laughs> of the paper, and I told him, oh, shit, I'm at the wrong Starbucks. I'll be there in 15 minutes. I'm going to Uber there. I showed up 15 minutes late to my first newspaper meeting because I had to take an Uber eight minutes away, a mile away. I was freaking out. But listen, Daniel, you know what we won't be late for? What? Tomorrow. Let's tell, let's tell them what's happening tomorrow. Tomorrow? We got a meeting. We got a big meeting. Business meeting, baby. Business meeting. Who are we meeting, Thomas? We're meeting with WVFS, Florida State's student radio station. Yeah. Big time. Um, we want to obviously promote this show as much as we can and make it to, you know, as, as, to get it as big as we can. Um, you know, that comes with, you know, getting better and everything because we can always do better. But, uh... Basically, we sent out an email. Uh, Thomas sent out an email and asking about you know how we can promote our show and get it on you know FSU uh, radio, and they said, hey, listen, we have a meeting coming up Monday. Why don't you come sit around, listen with it, you know, talk to whoever, see what you guys can do. Uh, tomorrow, big day. What time is it? I think an eight thirty meeting. We're prepared. We're psyched. Diffin ball, fourth floor. Diffin, yes. We're gonna be there. We're gonna see what we can get done. Um, we are trying our hardest to make this a simulcasted radio show and with that one of the reasons that we would want to do that is obviously so that we would you know more people would be able to experience this wonderful show oh yeah but also you know obviously increased radio quality um, I we would have it you know better equipment overall a better place to do our podcast I mean, instead of in our dorm room I mean yeah well, currently we're huddled around huddled in a corner of room 306 in Jenny Murphy Hall over my desk with a dim light you know providing the light all about the aesthetic yeah it this aesthetic is it's it's quite an aesthetic but um as we try to begin our next endeavor endeavor we look at a much more established institution that began its next endeavor this season and I'm talking about the National Football League the NFL how about a 99th season? Thomas, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This year's football season looks incredible. You have Odell Jr. back with Saquon Barkley, my team, the Giants. 
Daniel is currently wearing a New York Giants hat. I'm currently hat. wearing my New York Giants hat that I've had since elementary school. He's unfazed by the fact that his beloved Giants lost 20 to 15 today. It's okay. You know what? We played the Jaguars. They're a good team. We scored 15 on them. We're good. We're fine. We're doing well. Very reassuring. <sighs> How's your fantasy team looking? My fantasy team, not going to lie, we're looking pretty good. We're looking pretty schmexy. You know? I like that word. Oh, yeah. I got... I think I did well for having the second pick in the draft. My quarterback, Russell Wilson. I got Lamar Miller. I got Zeke. Just scored a touchdown. AJ Green, Devontae Adams, Kyle Rudolph, Emmanuel Sanders. I got that Philly defense and Jake Elliott as my kicker. You know what it is. And what's, uh, what's the score? Currently, I'm, I'm leading 117 to 91. Against Diego Reyes. Against Diego Reyes. Our Come on, Diego. from UCF. I'm currently facing a one Sudia Sekar. Ooh. Um, current University of Florida student who is Boo. yeah how'd they do yesterday Sudia huh oh yeah yeah how's Kentucky huh yeah yeah 27-16 get wrecked yeah that sucks I'm kidding we lost last yeah, week okay. <laughs> we suck too um, but yeah I'm playing him I'm currently losing by 22 points um, I will tell you that the Chargers defense giving up 38 points against the Kansas City Chiefs not the best thing for my performance, for the performance of the We Can Do Better podcast team. That's yep. actually the name of my team. I'm heavily invested in this podcast. Um, and I'm currently relying on Larry Fitzgerald, Christian McCaffrey, and Adrian Peterson to bring me back. But I don't know. They're all in the fourth quarter of their games. But what I do know, Daniel, what I do know is Saquon Barkley in his first game, in the first game of his career, he racked up a 20.8 points. We play PPR, um, 20.8 points, including a 68-yard touchdown. And, you know, he reminds me of a player that you have and a player that you mentioned and a player that I've had on my team the last two years. He's looking close to Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, they're they're close. Like, how close? Like, Earth to Mars? Like, I don't know. What is that? 93 million? I don't know. I'd have to look I, it up. Yeah, it's like the what, like oh, ninety. See, he looked it up. He no, looked it Thomas, up. I don't know. I don't know. Oh my God, relax, Daniel. <sighs> what I do know is that as as we as we record, the Miami Dolphins are looking really good. I mean, okay, there's okay. your Tim Kirkjian impression. We, Thomas and I, I am a New York Giants fan. I also do like my Miami Dolphins. You gotta you know rep it three oh five. Um. We started this season. We got we lot. You got rid of Ndamukong Su. We got rid of Jarvis Landry. We were like, we were thinking, how are we gonna do this? Our receivers are small. We were the Miami Dolphins showed up and showed out. There was a rain delay, and 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 that's not past tense because the Miami Dolphins are still showing out because since one o'clock as we record this podcast at seven twelve, the Miami Dolphins have yet to begin their fourth quarter because of constant lightning delays. This game, the Dolphins winning 10-3 against the Tennessee Titans. Um, it's been highlighted by the fact that the Dolphins scored a touchdown on a 98-yard drive. They almost scored on a 70-plus yard drive that started at their own 15-yard line. So there's definitely room for optimism given the fact that their defense is schooling the Tennessee Titans right now. But um, I don't know. It's obviously still very early in the season. Maybe the Titans are going to see some sort of regression after making it to the playoffs last year, making it to that big stage in Foxborough against the Patriots in the divisional round. You know who I want to talk about, though, on that Dolphins team? is Frank Gore. Frank Gore. I mean, he went to the U, right? Yes, 2001 team. Was incredible. 
Then he played for San Francisco, and he played for Indianapolis. And if you want to talk about consistency, you talk about Frank Gore, right? Yeah, Frank Gore. He's been in the league since 2005, has over 14,000 yards rushing. I mean, he's top five all-time in rushing rushing yards. Hall of Famer. And the first carry, the first three carries he had, he rushed for, oh, like, 37 yards. Right. And, like, and they were good runs, too. It wasn't, like, you know, wide open, but he made them, took them Breaking holes. news. Breaking the Titans news. have scored a touchdown. It is about to be 10-10 to 10 early in this fourth quarter. We had to say that. I don't know why I said this, because this podcast isn't timely. It's not live. If we were doing a radio show, this would work much better. But suspense. It's there. Yeah. Breaking news. This is not breaking news to you, but breaking news, it's a tie game. Ooh. Okay. My Frank Gore. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Frank Gore, who currently has nine carries for 61 yards. Oh. He started his career, right? Right. With two ACL injuries in a row. This is a man who had two ACL injuries in a row. And what does he do? Why don't why don't we just why don't we just show up with one of the greatest careers of all like all running back in NFL? History. I mean in a career that's defined by consistency. And I don't know, as the Dolphins stand right now, hoping that this game ends before 9 o'clock, as I saw there was weather forecasted around the Miami Gardens area, but we're not going to talk about weather because weather is boring. What we're going to talk about is the fact that the Dolphins are pretty much the John Isner of the NFL because they will play you for days. Oh my god, literally. Literally. They've been playing since 1 o'clock. And you know who else has been playing for days, Daniel? Who? Juan Martin del Potro of Argentina. Of Argentina. And Novak Djokovic, the Joker of Serbia. They are currently in a third set right now. What a matchup. In the United States Open final. I mean, jo- uh, no, Del Potro ranked number three. Djokovic ranked number six. Um, As we see right now, Novak Djokovic, he's proving why he is the best returner in tennis as he's jumped out to the 3-1 to one lead <laughs> off of an early break in the third set. I think we were watching it, and it said that Djokovic was returning like 97% of of uh Del Potro of, serves of Del Potro serves and that's just insane I mean this is at, a man who served one ball at 136 miles per hour in Del Potro he's 6'6 six, six. he is known as a heavy hitter right and Djokovic is taking him to school I mean some of these hits I mean Djokovic was playing this man like for days there was what um there's one there game, a game that lasted like 17 20 minutes it in was the like, second set that's correct it was the second set ended up being one hour and 34 minutes. That's longer that's, than a lot of matches. That's a match. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if, if Djokovic can run Del Potro, you know, then I think that Djokovic is going to take it. But if Del Potro shows up like he has been, uh, he's definitely going to give Djokovic a run for his money. Um, you know, having those really solid shots, making uh, Djokovic run around. Del Potro being 6'6", and he moves well. He moves very well for being 6'6". I remember uh, watching him. I thought he was, you know... 6'2", 6'3", but he's looking good. Um, especially yeah. having those, those, you know, surgery on your wrist. He's had multiple surgeries on his wrist. Which is very vital, especially when you're playing tennis. Um, right. To be in the, you know, in contention to win the U.S. Open exactly. against Novak Djokovic is... Um, uh, Novak Djokovic, a man who's on the brink of winning his 14th Grand Slam and tying Pete Sampras's what used to be the record for the most Grand Slams, but that would get him in a tie for third behind Nadal's 17 and Federer's 20. 20. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the controversy surrounding last night's match, um, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the final of the women's final. I don't know if the men's final is going to be as memorable when we right. look back at it years from now. 
but Serena versus Naomi Osaka. I thought, you know, good for Osaka. You know, she's um, 20 years old, out of Japan. Uh, I think she's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the women's section of tennis. Um, but let's talk about Serena Williams. She came all the way to play in the last bit of the U.S. Open, and she's been dominant all Let me t- around. And, and personally, I thought Serena was going to win. Um, Osaka definitely handed it to her, you know, winning those two sets. Yeah. So what happened was this is this is my story of watching what unfolded yesterday. So it was the pregame of the Florida State versus Samford game, and I'm making a run with a friend to pick up some pizzas. And we're at Pizza Hut, right? We're waiting for our pizzas. It's probably a 15 minute wait, right? I don't know how long is that wait. 15 minutes? I don't know. Um, but we're sitting there, we're waiting for the pizzas and what ended up being a long wait. And I turn on my phone, I turn on my phone and I head to watch ESPN. And the first thing that I see when I turn on watch ESPN is I see Serena Williams giving the head umpire who was officiating the match a run for his money. What happened was Serena, she broke her racket second set in frustration she already lost the first set to Osaka 6-2 and she would eventually lose the second set 6-4 she would lose in straight sets but Serena was frustrated she was frustrated she broke her racket and um the umpire would end up deducting a game um after initially deducting a point from Serena because the official claimed that Serena was receiving help from her coach and now, if you watch tennis matches, if you watch tennis matches on the regular, like me and Daniel do, because we've been watching a lot of the U.S. Open, um, you would know that pretty much every coach interacts with their player in one way or another. And so Serena, you know, kind of took that penalty, you know, she took that personally as like the official, you know, accusing her of cheating. And so Serena yelling at the ref um, said, I'm not a cheater. I would rather lose than cheat. She actually ended up calling the official a thief, but I really, and a lot of people would agree with me, think that the penalty that she received was definitely, it didn't meet the crime. I mean, I agree. It didn't meet the crime at all. There's been much worse in tennis. So you look at, you look at other people, especially in the, in the, on the men's section. And of, Serena was of, saying that. And you, yeah, this is exactly what happened. Like you look at the men's section, you see, you know, other guys break their rackets all the time in frustration, yelling, you know, cursing and nothing gets called um but the moment that serena williams does it um she gets called for you know penalized for it it's unfair and she has the right to to go and tell the the refs about what's happening she broke down she was crying she i've never seen serena I, cry. I, we've never seen she, serena we cry. see serena as a warrior as a super intimidating figure and to see her crying like that on such a big stage in national on national television that means something you know i mean and she wanted to a press conference and she definitely stood her ground, and it, it's more than tennis at that point, you know? Yeah, it's about, I mean, she characterized it herself as, you know, part of her fight for women's rights. And I feel like ever since she's, you know, gotten introduced into this sport that's, you know, always been considered some a sort of country club, you know, posh type sport, um, she's always been kind of seen as the outcast no matter how high up she's gotten. And so, yeah, that definitely overshadowed Osaka's win. Osaka kind of came out of nowhere to win the U.S. Open. And good for her, obviously, but like, this happened. You got to feel for Osaka. Yeah. I read something on Twitter yesterday that was saying, you know, 
that it's a loser for everyone involved. I mean, Serena lost. Um, it was like it was a loss to Osaka because her win was overshadowed by Serena's event. In the post game, in the post game, um, winners speech. You know how after every Grand Slam, the winners and the losers give a speech. Serena was comforting Osaka and telling the crowd to stop booing because they were booing at the referee the entire time. But yeah, enough enough about that racket sport, Daniel. Let's talk about let's talk about some table tennis. Let's talk about an incident that happened earlier this week. Let's talk about when we were playing table tennis on the bottom floor of Jenny Murphy Hall. Daniel's kind of looking at me. He he doesn't know what I'm talking about, but I think he's. I mean, starting... the thing is, we've been, we've been playing so much table tennis. Which event are you talking about? I'm t- the, ladies I'm... and gents, we've been playing so much table tennis. It's unfathomable. Okay, what event is it? Well, you know what? Okay. I'll, I'll set the scene for the listeners as we kind of go off of our show sheet. Um, so we're, we're, we're playing, we're playing table tennis, we're probably like 45 minutes in, you know, and, and a man walks into, walks into the room. Oh my goodness. His name is Jose. That man, Jose. So, okay. Okay. May I? Yeah. You take it from here. I wanted you to take it. Okay. So Thomas and I are playing table tennis, you know, as usual. Thomas Martinez is 6'4". Yeah. I am around 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. Much smaller. We're roommates. Very funny. I understand. We are playing, and when I'm playing Thomas, I usually have to stand up farther back just so I can return his serves. And I step up just a little too close one time, and Thomas, you know, hits me with a real strong shot, and I have to ricochet it off my paddle. Um, doing that, I lost the point, and one of the... Uh, RAs on our floor, Jose, walks by and says, hey man, that was that was weak. He does not know that Thomas Martinez is arguably, probably, the best table tennis player in the building of Jenny Murphy. So I say... I appreciate that. Of course, I mean, it's true. I say, Jose, why don't you play him? He goes, excuse me? Jose says, you know what? I have nothing to prove to you. I don't need to play you in table tennis. Um, but he was like, but if you want... I could set up a pro-am of a table tennis tournament, and if you guys would be interested in playing in that, I would love to put it together. And, you know, I really didn't appreciate the tone from a one RA Jose. <laughs> and, <laughs> that really funny. And, um, <laughs> and we've had other interactions with Jose. Um, Jose's a funny guy. He's yeah, a funny guy. It, we like Jose. Well, honestly... It's, we like Jose because it's a love hate relationship with Jose and our and our. It us. is, it is. I mean, it's it's not that serious, but it's um, really not. We were just bothered by the fact that after I offered for him to play me, he said, "You know what? Why don't you come to the gym with me, bro? Why bro, don't you, Why don't you play some table tennis with us, bro?" Yeah, I mean, he was talking to me about how he has these incredible workouts. How he goes on eight eight mile runs, and I'm I was just asking to play table tennis, man. I was just asking if you wanted to play. A quick game of some good old ping pong, um, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming to talk about the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have scored a touchdown. Jakeem Grant under two yard kickoff return. Let's go. The Miami Dolphins are winning seventeen to 10, 12 minutes and thirty seconds remaining in this game. And I don't know if you guys know who Jakeem Grant is, but he was one of the best wide receivers for a team in Texas, and he did not get drafted. The man's five eight. 5'9", incredibly small, and he didn't get drafted. He had to work so hard for everything. He ran like a sub 4-3 on a 40-yard dash, 40-yard dash, yeah. dash, which is incredibly fast. He's one of the fastest players on the Dolphins. And 
he came out of nowhere playing for the Dolphins as a special teams returner. He's done this before, I, I believe he... He's done kickoff returns before and punt returns before. So, to us, it's nothing crazy because that is what he's also known for. But besides that, it coming out as a wide receiver, good for him. You gotta love Jakeem Grant. Yeah. And what do you think about what we've seen so far about the, the Miami Dolphins? That was kind of a weird way of putting that. But the Miami Dolphins... But yeah, how do we, how do we look? Right now. Um... I think we have a lot of potential. You know, I think, like I said before, we you know lost Jarvis Landry and Adamakon Sue. And talking to Thomas earlier, uh, I think I agree with what he said. Is that we? I think we relied on them too much. You know, Jarvis Landry obviously getting all of the receptions he did last year. Um, without him, now we he, we really have to utilize those receivers. And I think having a lot of hardworking talented players on our team is what we need to push forward and make this organization you know something that it should be something that it, it's due for i mean we're entering what is our fifth straight make or break year for ryan Tannehill. yeah really <laughs> so so far he's looking good he's looking like ryan Tannehill. he's looking good enough to win um i don't know another quarterback that i don't know if he's going to be good enough to win malik rosier of the hurricanes i feel like we have to bring up the fact that miami they beat obviously a horrible team in Savannah State, but albeit they won seventy-seven to zero. I like insane, insane. Malik Rozier finished with three touchdowns. His backup in Kosi Perry threw for three touchdowns, and I was telling Daniel as we were, you know, kind of looking at the scores while we were focusing obviously on an FSU game that was a disappointing victory. I was telling him that Malik Rozier is the Matt Saracen of the Miami Hurricanes, Matt Saracen being a character from Friday Night Lights, a show that I've introduced to Daniel within the last week. If you guys haven't watched Friday Night Lights, watch it. Incredible show. I mean, I until I watched that show, I didn't really understand how big high school football is in the state of Texas. It's huge. There's stadiums. Yeah, the high school teams in Texas, they play in, you know, what could be more than sixty million dollar stadiums. And this show, released by NBC in the early 2000s, you know, starring Kyle Chandler, and eventually later on in the third season, Michael B. Jordan. I know there are a lot of big Michael B. Jordan fans out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just tells a story of a team with high expectations. I mean, sometimes I think the expectations are way too high for kids who should be focusing on their algebra homework. <laughs> but... Um, I think it's an interesting take on a sport that means so much you know, in a certain region of the country. Yeah. Um, going back to, you know, actual football, uh, <laughs> the Miami Hurricanes just absolutely annihilated um, what should have been an easy team to beat, and they beat them again and, and that's that's what we three ex- times over. And that's what we expected. That's what should have happened. That's, that's what should have happened with Florida State. And we're going to end this podcast by talking about what we started it. <clears throat> I... I mean, let me let me dish you out some stats. The Florida State wa- team, Florida State Seminoles, beat the Sanford Bulldogs thirty-six to twenty-six. That's the first. And the only way that we would have won that game, honestly, was the fourth quarter, and they did it. it there was no coaching during this game. It, all of it at the end of the fourth quarter was pure talent and skill. Um, I mean, it's due I, to the fact that Sanford's Sanford's quarterback. Um, a guy who kind of looked like Aaron Rodgers, or should I say the Florida State defense made him look like Aaron Rodgers throughout the day. He threw for 475 yards. And at least he finished with four interceptions, one of those being a pick six um, that Levante Taylor took to the house. 
toward the end of the fourth quarter, that shut it down. Um, and in comparison, I mean, DeAndre Francois definitely played well. I mean, I, I know people are giving him hate and they're saying do something, but the man threw for 320 yards and he threw for three touchdowns as well. And so. to be fair, he kind of showed up against Virginia Tech too. That was not necessarily his fault. I think it was kind of... I think it was the fault of a maligned offensive line that and can't poor, get any movement. And poor play calling. You know, not taking deep shots, not having reliable receivers to throw to. And it's not only that. The receivers aren't even making catches when they do go deep. And there are penalties... All the time. ...that are offsetting what could be a lot of promising drives. The bottom line is that this Florida State team is far away. They're very far from competing. Um, I don't know if they're... I, I, I could tell you that they're most likely not going to be a competitive team when this year is all said and done. I don't know about next year. We'll I don't see. know about the year the after is, that. What we need to do is we need to get our running game established. Cam Akers, who is one of the most talented running backs in the country, had 14 carries and for only 75 yards, this man should be getting at least 100 yards a game. And I said and it. He ha- has he even scored a touchdown yet? I, I really I don't think that Cam Akers has scored a touchdown. He had that one long rush against Virginia Tech that ended up amounting to nothing. Other than that, he's not done anything. I'm actually looking at it right now. He's had 28 carries for 158 yards and zero touchdowns. And Daniel, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I've been looking at the schedule, and I'm looking. Who do we play next week? We play at Syracuse at the Carrier Dome, 12 p.m. start. I don't know if we're going to win that game. The week after that, Northern Illinois, I could see us winning that game. Listen, I'm not going to go through the whole schedule because I know that could be boring and that's some basic um, radio slash podcast talk. But the bottom line is, as I said earlier in the podcast, I don't see this team winning more than three or four games. But when it comes to all things in life, the journey is more exciting than the destination. Wow. And I guess on that note, let's just hope that the Seminoles, when they go to Syracuse next week, Let's hope that they can do better. We know that we can do better. Well, we'd like to wish you guys a good night.